This is the IBJ Podcast for the week of Monday, July 31st, 2023, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. As we've discussed on occasion, my wife and I have a young son who is now just headed into second grade. It's interesting to me how we are encouraged in a thousand different ways to have children, but you don't hear very much about how much they cost. It is possible that we're just dense, but for example, my wife and I were blindsided by how difficult it is to find reliable and affordable childcare. We probably spent more time talking about the possibility of washing and recycling cloth diapers, which by the way, did not happen, than we did investigating childcare and preschool. We recently met with a financial planner to plot out our income and expenses for the next 30 to 40 years. And to my knowledge, there was no warning about how your family expenses balloon when you're raising teenagers. IBJ personal finance columnist Pete the Planner has a teen and a tween at home. Pete has been helping people with family finances for decades, and even he admits now to being humbled in this new season of his financial life by numerous large or unusual obligations. And as he puts it in his latest column for IBJ, Pete is bracing for many years of, quote, financial chaos, end quote. He also finds himself in the somewhat uncomfortable position of using the advice he has given older families over the years and realizing that it's tougher to follow than he thought. In this week's edition of the podcast, Pete takes an in-depth look at three of the most expensive seasons of parenting, roughly the infant and toddler years, the teen years, and the young adult years, which often coincide with the years parents are required to help support their own parents. You often hear that referred to as the sandwich generation. Pete runs through some of the biggest and most surprising expenses over these three seasons and ways to avoid or soften the blows. He also suggests a quick exercise to help you figure out the timing of these rough patches relative to your age and the ages of your parents. Here's our conversation. As always, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Peter Dunn, a.k.a. Pete the Planner. How is your summer going? Hot. Every time you turn on a piece of media, it's like, this was the hottest July in human history. That doesn't help <laughs> me. Like, I like just lie to me. Be like, ah, it's fine. But. But when you tell me it's hot, I believe I'm a ginger. I'm a Midwestern, pale-skinned man. I'm hot. Yeah, I'm more kind of like olive-skinned. But I, a long time ago, I just realized my natural habitat is indoors. Yeah, it's not good. But other than other than that, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Cool. I'm assuming your two children go back to school maybe next week or week after. So I'm told. Yeah, the, the they're they're off and running. Our summer is effectively. Uh, over and now that I've got uh, essentially two teenagers now, it is uh, it it's different than when we were going back to school night at an elementary school. Our our life is very 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 different. Really? Okay. Well, we can talk about that. But can you uh, can you share what the ages are here? Uh, Fourteen and eleven. I will just for the sake of argument, we'll say the eleven's a teen. We'll call him a tween. Okay, that's fine. Um, effectively a teen. 
So my son is entering second grade. So we're still in the public school system. I am not excessively worried about him hitting any milestones to introduce big expenses for a while. But you uh, in your college, in your column, excuse me, next week, describe raising teenagers as financial chaos. What on earth have I gotten into? I don't know how I didn't see it coming. I mean, I sort of saw it coming, but I didn't realize the magnitude of it. It is sort of the weird thing. So here's what I do know is that there are financial seasons of our life where it's either chaotic or it's peaceful. And this is definitely chaos. And I think what feels different about this one, Mason, is that I'm seeing escalating expenses from book fees to you know activities outside of school, travel sports, things like that. And then you start to introduce this idea that you're on this 10-year run of car, insurance for a teen driver, insurance for teen to, two teen drivers, college, college for two people. And it once you hit that, I, I don't know. I don't know what it hit me this summer, but this hit me this summer. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in for a decade of running on a financial treadmill. Very little progress forward just trying to keep my head above water. So in some level, there's the stress of knowing the expenses are there. There's comfort in knowing I can handle them. But at the same time, Mason, like I hate spending my savings account. Like I hate uh, having my net worth go backwards. And, and so that's what this season really has turned into. And it is the longest season of financial strain I've ever encountered. And I'm just beginning it because, you know, at the beginning of your career, that's a series of chaos, season of chaos, right? Doesn't last that long though, man. It's two or three years till you get on your feet. Then you got daycare, five or six years and you figure it out. We're talking about 10 to 13 years now that I'm facing. And, and then, by the way, this is not the tiny violin series where everyone's supposed to feel <laughs> sorry for me. This is just like, there are good seasons, there are bad seasons and acknowledging when they're coming and then what to do once you're in a good season, I think is vitally important to financial Sanity. I plan everything. I literally everything is planned. I got the money set aside, but it's when it when things get better again. If I don't keep my head straight, then things will spin out of control. And I think the best example of this, and this this is what I've seen in my financial career over the last twenty five years. My that old? No one cares. Is the post kids out of the house honeymoon phase? that actually ends up ruining retirement, that you exhale so much when all of the ob these obligations go away, you, you made it into this clean season. And so you vastly increase your lifestyle and that lifestyle is unsustainable. So what's weird, Mason, is as I think about the next 10 to 13 years of, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? I'm also thinking, man, I better hope I don't exhale too much after that because then, then the next season is even harder. I want to focus on three of these seasons, which I think are most relevant to me <laughs> personally. For, for what's your podcast? Listen so. to the podcast. Sure. We're all um, like you, buddy. So the first one is when you become responsible for a new human being. You've got oh. a kid, multiple kids. You need to get them to school age. For folks who have not hit that milestone yet, what are the major extra expenses or financial hardships that babies, toddlers, and preschoolers introduce into your life. And then we can talk about if there's anything that you can do to prepare for that. Think back to those days and early on, it's like diapers and carry out, right? Because you, <laughs> you don't have time to do anything, right? It's diapers, carry out and, and, and wine. 
but but really what that stage is about is, is probably childcare in in some respect and sometimes that can mean childcare in the form of one person choosing to take a hiatus from their career to stay home for 5 or 6 years and that is a cost right there there, there is a cost to that and so that is a number 1 you're looking at anywhere best case scenario a $300 a month difference that isn't childcare but really sort of diapers and supplies all the way to $2,000 a month difference based on childcare and these sorts of things. And, and you gradually work your way into it, but it's a pretty finite period of time unless you just keep having kids, but then you get used to it anyway. Yeah. I think we had, we were very fortunate to find close childcare that was only about $1,000 a month. Yeah. I think we paid like, th- I'm trying to think back, like $1,300 at our peak is what we were paying. And we felt pretty fortunate to only have to do that. But but look, what's crazy is there's two people right now that don't have a child, that they're thinking about having a child. And you ask that person, hey, do you have somewhere between $1,300 to $2,500 a month that you're actually doing absolutely nothing with? And the answer is no. So how do you even come up with it yeah. is wild, but, but it tends to work out. Let me go back to a previous podcast uh, subject. What about life insurance? I mean, this seems to me like the, the time when you need to be insured. Without a doubt, if you can't muster the the courage and panache to buy life insurance uh, upon bringing a new human into this hellscape that is the world, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you can't bring uh, buy life insurance, then when are you ever going to buy it? There, there's no time that you feel like mortal than bringing life into this earth. Like, so I, I mean, I don't know. You got to buy life insurance when you have kids. Yeah, uh, I'll throw in a couple other things that I remember. It seemed like there are an awful lot of doctor visits for the kid. Also, we needed to uh, draw up our first estate plan. Yeah, and then, I mean, that's no joke either. I mean, it's three hundred to fifteen hundred, two thousand bucks, depending. So yeah, there. So there's there's ongoing expenses that hit you on a monthly basis, and then there's those those once uh, one time expenses like an estate plan. That's a good point. Okay, so let, let's go back to our 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 couple who are thinking about having kids. What can they do to soften this blow uh, or or effectively plan for these kinds of expenses and situation? <laughs> I, I've been told I take the romance out of all of this uh, from time to time. But yeah, I mean, what you really can do is if, if you, you if you're going to have a child nine months or 15 months from now, it's the perfect time to start to wean yourself. You like that? Wean oh. yourself off of your own money, right? And so if post baby being here, you're going to have an additional $1,200 of expenses, start to set that money aside right now. Like right now, start with 300 a month and then next month do 600 a month. The next month do 900. And you got to build it because to try to do it cold turkey at the last moment, you're going to be so stressed out that you're not going to have the the wherewithal to do it. So let's go to the second season uh, the one that you're in right now, the teenage years, aka financial chaos. What are the major extra expenses or financial hardships that you find yourself dealing with now? A lot. I mean, there, there's just so there's so much because they're becoming adults, and so not only do they have more adult needs, but they have more adult tastes. Uh, for the plain and simple thing of back in the day, we used to go out to to eat and you'd have two kids meals and two adult meals. Then it turned into three adult meals and one kid's meal. Now we're at 
for adult meals. And and I know that sounds silly and petty and whatever, but man, it adds up fast, especially with how much spending or, or, or costs are increasing at restaurants these days. So that's one element of this. Travel becomes substantially more expensive. Um, but I think, you know, Mason, as we're sitting here talking, I'm not so worried about the cash flow, although it's certainly tightened up with what I just mentioned. I think it's about withdrawals. When you're when you're raising young kids and you're doing daycare, those are cash flow issues. When you start to raise teens, you start talking about having your net worth go down. You start talking about buying a car. Uh, and, and of course, the, the car insurance is crazy expensive. But then when you start making withdrawals for college, it, it could be really the first time in a, your adult life in which your net worth goes down for a number of years as you liquidate investments to pay for college. You mentioned um, like digging into your savings. Is that something that typically you would start doing in these teenage years? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I view my kids' college savings as savings, right? I mean, absolutely. I view the need to to provide transportation to make our life easier, dipping into to savings. And I'll also say this, and this is hitting very close to home. Depending on when you bought your family home, you start to find yourself there long enough that the appliances hit their lifespan, right? Like that is incredibly real as we speak, my air conditioner is being uh, replaced. And, and so that is, that is very functionally real. If you are raising your teens in the home of which you brought them home from the hospital for the first time, you have done a cycle of appliances that have decreased your emergency fund. So when we're talking about taking money out of savings. I'm, I'm a little confused. Assuming I have already been putting money into my savings apart from my emergency fund, am I borrowing from that? Or am I actually digging into my emergency fund? Or am I cashing out stuff from my 401k? What's happening? Well, I mean, your emergency fund should just be left alone. And it's for things like air conditioner going out. Beyond that, college savings is not in there. Money for a car is not in there. You shouldn't take that out. But you you are still withdrawing it. And and maybe it's it's worth exploring here. Let me ask you a question, Mr. Interview Man. Do you like taking money out of savings? Uh, no, I hate it. I hate it. My wife, however, uh, when we were kind of rejiggering our financial plan, set up some automatic withdrawals from our checking into savings for things that we anticipated needing. So I never, I never really see that money out of my paycheck. It goes immediately into these savings accounts. Yeah, no, I hear you there. I, I'm going to this idea of like, I know we plan for all of this. We plan for college. Actually, I won't feel bad about taking money out for college because they're college funds. Like, I, I don't really care. I don't know. I just like, I work so hard to save the money. And then once it's vanquished, it, it is painful to me. And I don't know if that's because I'm me. Or if that is a natural thing. But I think a lot of people have an aversion to liquidating their savings, frankly. I'm going to go through some more uh, scenarios here uh, that will make people be afraid of having teenagers. <laughs> Good. Uh, sport leagues, especially travel leagues, athletics. You have yeah. a pain to look on your face. Well, here's the thing. Around about, I'm bad with time. Let's say 10 years ago. I wrote a column in USA Today about the negative aspects of travel sports. And now, some 10 years removed from that, I am knee deep, I'm chin deep, I am bald head deep in travel sports. Like it's a, it is a wild, humbling, humbling experience. 
And I will say this. I played light travel sports back in the 80s and early 90s as a kid. They did not cost anything compared to what they cost today. It wasn't even close. You're talking a couple hundred bucks versus thousands and thousands of dollars now. Now we could turn this into the 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 moral ethics of uh, of spending that much money on travel sports or what you can simply say is that puts a lot more stress on upper middle class families than it used to. You know what I mean? And and it's very real. And if when you take that combined with increased housing prices, increased health care uh, prices, uh, increased price of college, raising family teens is more expensive than it has ever been before. And, and that's very real. And again, it's not about feeling sorry. It's about acknowledging that if you're feeling stressed with teens financially, yeah, I get it because it is more expensive than it's ever been before. Technology costs. There's something that hasn't been around for as long. iPads, yeah. uh, internet, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I in A book I wrote back in 2009, I talked about this concept of the new necessities and I sort of tagged it at, $250 to $300 a month. And it's what you just mentioned, right? It's internet plans and, and cell phones and those sorts of things. Hey, uh, I don't know, no, 14 years removed from writing that book. I think it's higher than that now. I mean, it, 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 it's higher than $250, $300 now with all the streaming services and everything else. So our necessities or what we deem to be necessities just keeps growing in, in obligation at this point. You're probably not at the point where you're doing college trips. But I mean, that will be coming up, right? Yeah. And who knows? I mean, that's the funny part about my, my uh, we'll call it my media career, which is just seems a bit on the nose. Uh, but I'll say this is that with each stage of life of advice I've given over the time, I get reintroduced to what it's like to actually live it. I, I, I'm living teens now for the first time, but I've talked about it in the past. When I, what's it going to be like when I start living college trips, right? When I, when I, you know, I've got all this money saved for college, but what's it going to be like when I start negotiating with admissions offices? Like, what? what is that? Is that a thing? And so we're not there yet. I have friends in that season and uh, I guess it's on the horizon. Okay, let's take a quick break so we can hear from our sponsor. This is the IVJ Podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm with more than 800 attorneys in eight primary Midwest markets and the District of Columbia, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with this week's edition of the IBJ podcast and my conversation with Pete the Planner about the most expensive seasons in your financial life. Your kids probably are are not old enough to have part time jobs yet, or did I do I remember that maybe one of them was uh, was uh, was refereeing? Yeah, so my daughter uh, has you know referee soccer games and will work and wants to work, which is really really good and interesting. So she'll be able to have spending money. And I assume my son will be too. It'll take the burden off from a cash flow perspective. I don't know. It's just sort of, I, I think what not only spurred this column, but spurred this conversation this week is this idea that before you have kids or when you have kids early on, you put together these financial plans with your financial planner and on paper, everything looks so clean and everything looks so no bumps. And then you get here and you realize that there are actual seasons. These are 
years long seasons. And if you actually mapped out the seasons and you said, this season's going to be five years, this season's going to be 10 years. And then the season we haven't even talked about being the sandwich generation, which I guess we've talked about on previous podcasts, but not today. Is that a 20 year season? Like what, what, what is that expensive season compared to the teen years? Oh, we're going to get to that. But hold on real quick. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm getting close to that one too. But I was looking around, casting about for ways, again, to either plan for these situations or defray some of these expenses. Do you guys do carpooling? Yeah. I mean, you, you have to, right? I mean, you, you have to, especially in youth travel sports, driving all across the place. Yeah. You, you end up carpooling for sure. Can you uh, convince your kids to accept secondhand electronic devices? <laughs> he could try. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that's yeah, that's absolutely possible. Are you buying food in bulk? We haven't turned totally into the discount club or whatever those places are called family yet, but we go, but we're not we're not some of those carts that I see. We're not buying 55 gallon drums of Totinas pizza rolls. Well, we're not there yet. We can still really shop at grocery stores. In terms of like technology and phones, uh, family plans and bundles for for data. That's not. I mean, yeah. Again, those seem sort of fixed um, at, at this point. Where where it gets nasty is you know AirPods or or you know earbuds or and then inevitably based on how these things are today. You remember when you and I had our Walkmans, and occasionally you would have to get new headphones, and they were twelve bucks. Uh, now when a kid loses. A single airbud, which is the size of a lima bean, it is not 12 bucks. It's a couple hundred bucks, right? So I, I know the other side of this argument is like, well, don't buy your kids nice stuff. And I also know the argument is, well, you, you lose it, you lose it or whatever, right? But in practicality, that's just not how it works. Like, and and that I and I'm saying this because I used to be Mr. Tough Talk on various aspects of financial advice. But once you start living it, you're like, yeah, that's unrealistic. And I, and I think more than anything, what I've learned in this world of giving guidance for a living is that it's just not so black and white. And that's why I've often felt the best financial planning tool that can possibly exist is a calendar. Because understanding how long your financial challenges are going to last, these periods of time are so much more important then staring at your checking account or staring at your financial plan, your calendar is your best financial planning tool. And uh, I'll just step out of the way for a second. You can tell us about your favorite way to uh, save for college. That's, and you know, I used to do ads for a group. So I, 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 uh, I, I like 529 plan personally. I, I think it's clean. It's easy. We are approaching in the next five years though. Uh, my daughter will be in college in four years. We, we are approaching the years of which we're going to have to maybe throttle contributions to make sure we don't have too much money in there at some point, which is a nice problem to have, but also a problem nonetheless. If, if someone gets a scholarship or someone chooses to go a different route than college, you sort of get into those years where you just want to make sure that you're not being inefficient with those savings. So our third season, you mentioned the sandwich season. Yeah. Uh, folks are still helping support older kids. Uh, while beginning to help aging parents. Uh, and and also, I mean, there's a third party in there. I mean, they're also needing to take care of themselves. What are the, the major uh, financial problems that you would run into in the sandwich area? 
Yeah, this is an interesting time, right? The, the sandwich. And I've started to tiptoe into this for sure. I think the teen years are the beginning of it, really, right? For your kids. There's financial demands that split themselves into consistent support or chunk support, right? So consistent support would be every month you're having to support someone or something with a set amount of money. And then there's chunk support where you've got to come in and solve a problem with a chunk of money. There's So that's the financial side of this. Then there's the emotional side of this, which I would argue is 10 times harder than the financial side of this. All the while, you're dealing with your own mortality of your career as it makes its way in, into the uh, the twilight, if you will. So I, I've always argued 47 to 53 years old are sort of structured to be the hardest years of your financial life. But even beyond that, it's those sandwich generation years where your parents' situation, both from a health and, and financial standpoint, are evolving. And depending on what your kids are doing and if they're out of college, are they living back with you? Are you help supporting them while they get on their feet? I, again, I've talked tough about that aspect of parenthood for a while. On, I'm just being transparent. I still feel like I'll be able to execute on what my hopes are there, which is to be like, hey, paid for college. Good luck. I'll see you on Thanksgiving. Like that's my that's my hope. And I not from a selfish standpoint, but because I, it feels like I would have set my kids up for success. But we'll see what happens. I mean, that that's the great unknown right now in, in my world, right? Is like, okay, I, I've been planning for that very moment, May graduation, and whatever years my kids graduate, and being like, awesome, good luck. We'll see what happens, right? Are you still of the mind that if loans need to be taken out, that the kids need to take them out? It's not for the parents. Hundred percent, like uh, uh, unequivocally. Yes, kids. That it, it's the, they're leveraging their education to earn a living. Yeah. For me to 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 leverage my income to uh, earn a future living doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, so you, you begin help me take care of your parents. You're taking them to medical appointments. Potentially, you are helping uh, pad their living situations uh, or bringing them into the home uh, and, and taking on some of those living expenses. Have you sort of reached any of that yet? Uh, light, but still hard, right? Like uh, a little bit, but not from a financial perspective. Right. But I think w- where that financial perspective really starts to rear its ugly head is the space between Medicaid and long-term care coverage paying for assisted living. Like, so there's this world in which your parents can have too much money to, to get government assistance but not enough money to actually afford assisted living. And and that is a very scary, ugly space in which oftentimes you see the the meat of the sandwich absorb some of the financial implications of that. Uh, So so that's a thing. And then also say, Mason, as we go down this path of despair together, once again, when you lose, uh, when you lose one of your parents and, and then based on how their income structured, whether they were getting two social security payments and now they're getting one, it's it's making up for that gap because what we do often see is that a person is able to successfully retire based on two social security income streams. And what we know is when one goes away, the cash flow crunch is immediate. So how do you fill that cash flow crunch if there's not effective savings? Um, is it on a monthly basis or do you come in and, and put chunks of money to solve problems? I assume that 
it'd be very helpful to have a conversation with your parents about the kind of financial resources that they have. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a conversation I've absolutely had. And and the weird part about it is, Mason, like I, I am a, you called it, you, you called me a financial expert. So I'll go with your words. I'm a financial expert, so I can get I my head around are. it a little. Yeah, no, I am. Uh, I can get my head around it. I, I'll be honest. I don't know how the average person takes what they hear in that conversation with their parents and does anything with it. Like I, I sort of know the mechanics of how this this stuff works. Like, okay, listener, go have a talk with your dad this weekend. Okay, you do. You go play golf. You talk to your dad. And you're like, okay, what do you do with it? Like, do you? you know, the, the, the the argument would be like, go to your financial planner and talk to them about it. Right. That 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 would be the hope. You know, I'm always pushing people to get more out of their financial advisor. I love financial advisors. I think people sometimes don't get the most out of their financial advisors, and it's their fault, not their financial advisor's fault. I got you. So um, I've got questions about how to help my parents. I can go to my financial advisor and say, tell me what I need to do. Yeah, because your financial advisor will, will really sort of know the structural elements of that. And again, I go back to things like, well, do your parents have a pension? Well, yeah, they do. Well, what happens if uh, the person who primarily had the pension dies? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, go ask. Okay, and then you come back with an answer that stinks. And you're like, okay, well, here's what that means. It's really about when one of them passes away, what sort of income structure remains. That's sort of the worst case scenario element. There, there's like, what do you do with all this money? I mean, those are problems too. But if we're talking about the stresses of the sandwich generation, it's really about income sustainability. I feel like a Paul has been cast over this conversation. <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that that okay. So I, I hear you. I feel you. And it, and and again, this it can very easily sound about sound like complaining or yeah. Hey, kids are expensive. I here's what I, I'd love for the takeaway to be. And it's not. It's something I did this week uh, on a flight. I had some time. I just sort of sketch. I, I put a timeline across the bottom of a page. Years, and I sort of matched up my ages and what my kids' ages are, my wife's age, my parents' age. I sort of just all sort of aligned. Okay, in, in 2023, I am 45 years old. My wife's age is this, which I'm not going to disclose on real. And then there's uh, uh, my kids and my parents. And then I sort of just drew a line of how expensive is life with these people, with these stakeholders going to be over time as we age? And Mason, what I found was elongated periods of time that I... I knew the time was coming. I just didn't know how long of time I had to deal with these expensive problems. And I would love for that to be the takeaway. Write your ages, write everyone in the, you're responsible for, and then just draw how expensive in your, is your life. It's all relative, by the way. And you'll just see these, these periods of times. It's like, oh, oh, that doesn't go down for a while. That's helpful. We were at, uh, at the financial planners, kind of planning out the next 40 or 50 years. And, you know, I'm about 10 years older than my wife. And I was looking at the at really the long term forecast. And then there was like this point at which I guess, you know, the income just kind of like cratered. And, and I was like, well, what happened there? And, and the planner said, that's when you die. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you mean, so the guess is that I'm going to be dead at 90. Well, I, I think it goes to the earlier point of the conversation of like yeah. you put together these plans on paper. They're printed with nice color ink. I mean, they're they're lovely. Yeah. I used to produce produce these all the time, but then you get to living it, and it just—I don't know, man. I'm doing this for over two decades. I've never seen a financial plan go the way you think it's going to go, ever. 
even when it goes well, it does not go the way you think it's going to go. And and I I think by acknowledging your family structure and in and, and those periods of time, I think you can soften that blow. And I said soften with a hard T. So it's really uncomfortable. Should have said soften. I said soften, which isn't a thing, but at least I heard it. All right. I'm going to wish you the rest of the summer filled with air conditioning, happy children, excited about school, not too many soccer practices. I want the soccer practices. I will tell you this, though. You don't know how cranky people get until they sleep in a home of 88 degrees for three nights in a row. It was it was like Lord of the Flies. It was very, very stressful at our house. You know, I was just seeing, you know, the other day, because when I grew up, we didn't have central air. You know, we had uh, an air conditioning unit in my mom's room. So, I mean, it was me and a box fan. Yeah. And, and I, <laughs> there were some nights I couldn't sleep at all, but we got through it. Everything was okay. Needless to say, we've softened yes. the culture. <laughs> and I feel like I'm particularly getting very soft. Yes. So I noticed. Well, there you go. I will let you go. But uh, boy, that's just almost too much <laughs> stuff to think about. Draw a timeline. That's the takeaway. They, sometimes you're like, oh, we're just in some morass of despair. No, draw a timeline. I'm telling you, it's a, it's enlightening. Mason, we get off to here today. Grab a piece of paper. Draw this out. It's helpful. Okay. All right. I'll have to go back and listen to this one more time. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mason. My thanks again to Pete the Planner. I want to let you know that I tried to do the graphing project he suggested, and it's actually quite helpful. I drew a timeline on a sheet of paper and then marked how old I will be in five-year increments along the timeline. I then graphed my wife's, son's, and parents' ages and quickly saw that my era of maximum sandwich exposure likely will be between 2028 and 2032, and that's helpful to know. A quick reminder, Pete's column on personal finance appears regularly in the print edition of IBJ, and you can find several years worth of his work at IBJ.com. And before you get on with the rest of your week, there are a few stories in the latest print edition of IBJ I want to point out. First up, the town of Cicero is right on the shores of Morse Reservoir, but it might as well be 1,000 miles away. Daniel Bradley explains why the town must find underground sources of water if it wants to grow like its Hamilton County neighbors. Taylor Wooten reports on a move by the Indianapolis City County Council that could lead to the revitalization of the largely vacant Irvington Plaza Shopping Center. And Dave Lindquist profiles the in-demand videographer who is responsible for much of what the rest of the nation sees of Indianapolis via Good Bones, Music in Transit, and documentaries. And again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at ibj.com. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week. Mm-hmm.